You are listening to When Therapists Watch TV, where we discuss today's buzzworthy TV shows and what they can teach us about ourselves, our relationships, and the world around us. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Bly, licensed clinical psychologist at LA Mental Health. So both the Netflix show Sex Education and HBO's Euphoria address teenagers, adolescents, the challenges they're going through, and a lot of the struggles that maybe are somewhat unique to 21st century teenagers, but not entirely. Um, but one thing that they both tackle in depth is teenage sexuality. And um, I think when I was watching both of these shows, and I will say, even though there's a lot of similarities between these shows, they're also quite different, and I think it's important to know that. I, the way I kind of describe the difference is that if sex education was a person and fell asleep and had a nightmare, it would be euphoria. It's a much, euphoria is just a much, much darker version, but they do address similar topics. Um, and so today, though, what I want to talk about is teen sexuality, specifically where, where are we letting our teenagers down? Because I think it's fair to say that both of these shows really drive home the fact that we are not having the kinds of conversations we need to be having with our teenagers and we're kind of leaving them to fend for themselves when it comes to figuring out who they are sexually, what they want sexually, feeling empowered to make good choices on their relationships. Um, and so what I want to do today is really talk about what we can take away from those shows when it comes to having these conversations with our teenagers and what we need to understand even about maybe some similarities to when we were teenagers, but also what are some things that are more unique to now um, that we need to start wrapping our heads around as parents, as teachers, as you know, community members who interact with teenagers. And to help me with that, um, I've got a very special guest today. This is Heather Reidinger. And I will let you introduce yourself, Heather. Tell us a little bit about you. So happy to be here. So excited to talk about all the sex education things. Uh, yes, Heather Reidinger. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been in the field for 15 years. Um, I'm a board approved supervisor for LMFTs as well. Um, my dream job is to be a sex educator oh. for teenagers. Like it's always oh, well. been Here's, something that I- Get started. Today's, yes. your, today's yes. your debut. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I really appreciate the show Sex Education and how um, it has just enlightened uh, my, myself even of, of how to incorporate um, health education, sex education with teenagers. Um, so I'm really excited yeah. to have this conversation. Today. I'm so glad you're on yeah. here. And I think I've forgotten the, that you want to do yeah. adolescent sex education is kind of your jam. So yeah, perfect. Now, Heather, like as I've told you before, I love, I mean, sex education to me is one of the best shows. I, I really, I honestly think everybody everybody should watch it because it's not just about teen sexuality. It's just about sexuality. It's about healthy yes. relationships. It's about all of the stuff that we all, almost every single one of us, experiences yes. sexuality in mm -hmm. some form. And so I think it's just, it does a beautiful, it's an English show. But I also, I mean, I think it could easily have taken place in mm. the United States. I don't think there's anything uniquely British mm -hmm. about it, except maybe that the Brits were clearly willing to do a show like this, and maybe Americans aren't. I don't know. Right. Ooh, we um, could unpack that for a while. Yeah. Whereas Euphoria, I think, I mean, I, full transparency, I've only watched like five episodes mm -hmm. um, because it's it's too painful for me to watch. Yeah. It just, it hurts to me. It's just, I feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. 
I feel kind of despairing when mm -hmm. I watch it, whereas I feel like sex education, I, I feel like it's giving us some some answers, some like here's mm. what you can do to help. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a darkness and a lightness. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to get your take on, you know, on these two shows. And you can pick one or or speak to them both here initially. Um, but what were your impressions about like what these shows are maybe trying to tell mm. the viewer? Like, what mm -hmm. are the messages you think these shows are trying to convey when it comes to teen sexuality? Mm. Ooh, what a great question. Um, one of the things that stood out for me for sex education specifically was how much um, I could relate it. Like it speaks to me as a young person mm -hmm. and it also speaks to me as an adult. So mm -hmm. um, kind of that realization of like, there was no language, there was really no conversation around um, normalizing sexuality, yeah. normalizing humanity in many ways of like, this is part of who we are as human beings. Yeah. Um, and it was, there's a lot of, um, walls up around that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say boundaries. I would say walls up around some yes. of those things. Um, walls of silence. Correct. <laughs> like do not talk about that yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. um, where it's important and for safety, for health, mm -hmm. for like all of these things that um, we're so like, you have to be so focused on that kind of thing when you are talking about sex, but then, but don't talk about it. Yeah. That kind of like contradiction. Yeah, it's like w one thing that I was thinking about with these two shows is I feel like as like most parents and, and teachers or even religious leaders would seem comfortable talking about the pathological parts of sex. Yes. I feel like we're fully comfortable talking to our kids about, you know, ch predator, sexual predators mm -hmm. and rape yep. and unwanted pregnancies and sexually mm -hmm. transmitted diseases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we don't seem to want to talk about healthy sexuality. Right. It's a scare tactic in many ways of like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, and that's kind of, it, it, there's a scene in sex education where a woman comes in and they're talking to all the, all the girls right, about yeah. pregnancy. And she comes in and just tells the, the most terrifying things right. about pregnancy <laughs> and about delivery and about all these things. And they just sit there like, that's a scare tactic. That's not going to stop people from mm -hmm. having sex. Right. It's, um, it's only going to freak people out more and then keep them more silent yeah. and, and not want to talk about the emotions and the things that are coming up when it comes to yeah. sex. I mean, that's kind of, I guess what both of these shows demonstrate is, is by not talking about sex, all we're doing is making it more likely that teenagers are going to have unhealthy yeah. sexual relationships. or they're yeah. going to be doing things, they're going to be using, you know, porn as their mm -hmm. guide, as right. their education, <sighs> rather than real adults in the real world talking mm -hmm. about real sexuality and yeah. real sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. Now with Euphoria, since I come at it with such a, like, I, I think you like the sh that show more than I do, if I recall. Sure. Um, but what do you feel like are the lessons in that one? Or what the, what do you feel like is the message they're trying to send? Uh, because I just see the message is like, it's too late. Everyone's ruined. <laughs> They're all going to die young and right. with all the STDs and mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. the addictions. And so I, I, I struggle to really glean the lessons from that one. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you've had a different experience with that. Yeah, I think there's, um, ooh, there's a lot of that intertwined in euphoria of, um, again, kind of going back to that dark space of like, this is what um, maybe not knowing or not having education or not 
um, seeking out, like meeting sex with curiosity can mm, right. do or, or that can happen. Um, you know, I think we had talked before around um, performance-based like teenagers being performance based in their in, when they are having sex or where they are being sexual and um, that being so different than being present mm -hmm. in an intimate and sexual mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. or interaction um, and there is this kind of like these are the consequences yeah that uh, that euphoria brings up I was like right. these are the yeah. consequences like sex not. education is saying if we don't educate our kids there, it's going to be euphoria. It's going to be euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> this is, hey guys, we've yeah. really got to do this. We've got to be having these conversations yes. with our teenagers because they're going to be sexual. They're going to do this stuff. And hey, watch euphoria to see what happens when kids don't have healthy role models. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to do, like, I just, some of those scenes are so painful with the girls getting just, like, one of the first episodes of euphoria, that, that girl's in that room with all the guys. And she's the, she was the, I think it was a virgin at the time mm -hmm. and somehow got talked into like giving a, a blow job. Right. Mm -hmm. And they recorded it and it went all over the school and oh my mm -hmm. God, like it just, those scenes make me want to throw up and mm -hmm. I know that stuff happens. Yeah. But I also feel like maybe, maybe if we talk to our girls mm -hmm. and our guys, our boys more about this stuff, mm -hmm. maybe they won't feel the need to to, mm -hmm. or they'll be more aware mm -hmm. they'll thought through these things a little bit better rather right. than being in the moment and they, all they want is to be accepted right and so they're making those decisions then rather than having thought through it before i don't know like yeah well so, even yeah. thinking about brain development for teenagers of just like they don't know right <laughs> they're just doing the best they can yeah. and minute just, by minute <laughs> seriously and so yeah. you know i think back as in being a teenager of like uh, how to na how I navigated that is like a blur yeah. because you really are doing the best you can. And I think euphoria, I really appreciate how you said it's like a nightmare. It, mm -hmm. it, I think there are lots of areas where it is talking more about the consequences and it is talking more about um, maybe, maybe like less educational and more this is what could happen. And, and yeah. the dark, like the, there's yeah. still reality in both. There's a lot of reality, yeah. which I appreciate mm -hmm. in both of those shows. But I think Euphoria brings up more of the, uh, yeah, the darker aspects that, yeah. uh, or the consequences that sex can, can yeah. have. Yeah. Um, if we're not educated, if yeah. we're not in tune to, to some of those things. Empowering Ooh, yeah. is the word that comes to mind, is the girls in, in that show aren't empowered at mm. all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what I love so much about sex education is you get to watch these girls become increasingly empowered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you see the impact that has on them as they start, like Amy is such a beautiful story of mm -hmm. that. Like she's just, when, when girls start out feeling like they're just, their sexuality is only to please yeah. boys, is only yeah. to keep a boyfriend, is only to get a boyfriend, is only yeah. to be noticed mm -hmm. and and to get that need met of, of feeling wanted mm -hmm. um, and how that ends up just hurting girls yeah. and that once they start to feel more empowered they, they still like they're still loved they're still wanted and all of that but they feel so much better about yeah. themselves and but going back to what you're saying about the wall of silence I want to spend a little more time on that because yeah. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are I think both of us I too was raised where we did not talk about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Sex was something you had when you were married mm -hmm. and it was bad up until that point, yep. which is curious, right? That we expect 
teenagers to think sex is bad, 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 bad. Mm -hmm. Then you get married and suddenly you're supposed to think it's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing after having, you know, thought it was a horrible, horrible thing through all your sexual development years. But other than, I mean, religion is kind of the obvious reason why some families or some parents don't want to talk to their kids about sexuality. But I feel like maybe there's more to it than that because Mm. they think their parents... Um, like I struggle, I have two teenage girls and it's not easy to talk to them about sex and healthy sexuality. I, I would love to get your thoughts on why do you think as a society and mm-hmm. as parents we have such a hard time going there with our teenagers? Mm-hmm. Part of it might be our own experience growing up and being young and, and not having that mm-hmm. or not experiencing it or having different, um, those walls of silence kind of put up. Part of it too is for te- and, and I don't want to put all of adolescents in this category, but there is a, a space of like, it's hard for adolescents to meet things with curiosity. Mm, yeah. They're, um, they're, they still want to be um, uh, in the group or, or part of or feel a part of that. I think a lot of times, even when it comes to like performance-based or like, I saw this on porn, so this is my, this is what sexuality must be like or this is what sex must be like. And so then I have to, there's almost like a performance of... Mm-hmm okay, well, then I'll act like that. Yeah. This is what's going to be expected of me. Right. Rather this than, is what's desirable. Right. Yeah. Rather than have an experience where you're present and being able to be intimate with your partner and explore sexuality together yeah. um, in a safe space. And I think the safety is a big piece. Mm. At, at least when I reflect back on, I don't know if I ever felt safe, even amongst friends. I remember thinking like, I remember it wasn't until like sophomore or junior year in high school where our, my friendship group, like my girl group, we finally started talking about masturbation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you do that? Oh, oh, okay, yeah. good. I feel better now. I can open up more about right. that. I feel validated in my own sexuality or my right. own self-pleasure. So now I can, I feel like I can talk about that. Mm. And I don't know if that is... Um, and everybody's experience may be different in that, but that was my own of like. Well, I don't think oh. I heard anyone talk about it till college. Right. Yeah. So like, oh, that's, that's an okay thing. Yeah. And that's what I, in sex education, that's one of my favorite episodes is when Amy learns her anatomy and she <laughs> learns how to self-pleasure, yeah. really. And it's like a whole, like. Yeah. If you've seen it, like it's like an entire day she spent, maybe multiple days of just like masturbating. Exploring, yes, her own sexuality and what she likes. And and how how can we normalize that? How can we help people understand like if you don't know for yourself what that that feels like or how to self-pleasure or what, how are you going to then tell someone else Mm -hmm. what you want or what you need? You're just looking at porn and saying, well, I guess that's what I need. I guess that's what's going to be helpful for me or, or intimate right. for me. Um, right. So rather coming from inside of exploring and curiosity, it's coming from watching that and going, I guess that's what right. I'm going to like. Yeah. So do that, I guess. Do that because I guess everyone else yeah. is and then I'll feel a part of. Yeah. Um, rather than, and, I, and, and, and it may then vary. That's what I loved about sex education too is, is it shows that these partnerships that these teenagers are choosing to engage in um, can be really beautiful and can be really um, intimate and eye-opening and, and, and fun pleasant and fun and like exploring yeah. and and making it not such a taboo and so 
like taking down the wall, walls of silence. Ooh, secret. What's that for you? Yeah, like how to do that. And yet, I don't know about you, but when I was watching that that episode, and, and sometimes the, the episodes start with, for people who haven't watched the show, a lot of the episodes start with teenagers having sex yep. or masturbating. Yep. And it took me a while to get used to that and not kind mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. when I would watch it, yeah. I would be like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I can't yeah. believe, like, this is so weird. I hadn't watched, I've never watched this, and it feels yes. very... They don't show genitalia. They, nope. they, you know, they usually show things from here down yep. or from the back or whatever. If, yep. um, but I still found myself so squirmy watching yeah. that. And I know that if I'd watched that as a teenager, I would have just like crawled under the carpet. Right. Right. But why? Why do you think that is? I mean, I imagine part of it is just because it's a, it's kind of an intimate, private moment sure. that we're mm -hmm. seeing. So there's probably something appropriate and feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, peeping in on something that. Sure. Like, but I wonder. Do you think there's anything else? I mean, I, I, I'm struck by the fact that it's an English show. Mm -hmm. I wonder, even a show like Euphoria doesn't really go into a lot of like, healthy exploration of sexuality. Right. And I wonder about that. Like, do you think there's anything American mm. about our discomfort mm. talking about or even seeing masturbation depicted or health or exploration of our sexuality depicted? Mm. So much so. I'm, and I want to add to that of... It's not just heterosexual sex. Mm -hmm. You are seeing in, in sex education. Yeah. You are seeing across the mm -hmm. spectrum, uh, which is lovely and refreshing, and also rare. And rare, really rare. And I don't know if that would. I'm trying to think in Euphoria. There may be some areas of of more exploration in that, but it's not an educational mm -hmm. piece. It's more of again, kind of, and I don't. I am generalizing of these are the consequences or this is, yeah. this is darker right. than what it needs to be. Um, so I really appreciate in sex education where they're, they're like, no, like <laughs> I'm thinking of, um, I can't remember his name, Malik. No, that's not it. Um, he's the French. Um, no, French. the yeah. other, there's an, oh God, I can't remember his name, but he, he doesn't want to have sex with his boyfriend because he doesn't know how to douche mm -hmm. before anal sex. Mm -hmm. And even those types of conversations or subjects, I can only imagine people watching that like, whoa, yeah. but also like, but yeah, like I, yeah. like those are really important health, like yeah. safety factors that you do need to put into play when it comes to sex. Which is, again, why I think everyone should watch the show. Is yes. I, I saw that episode, and like, I think it was Malik who then like, yes. puts it up on a board, and exactly. he's like, this is what you got to do. And he I was teaches. like, I had no, <laughs> I'd never crossed my mind yes. that yes. that was a thing. And then that's what I was like, they should just, like, I'm trying to get my 16-year-old to watch it, and yeah. she just won't. She's just like, Mom. Yeah, why? Stop asking me to watch that show. <laughs> like, no, but you need to. Like, it's yeah. such good information. Yeah. And you're like, we don't have a forum in this country. We don't have a forum, and apparently not in England either, right? where kids are just all learning this mm -hmm. in a healthy way, which is, again, why I feel like if you're not watching the show, like watch it, watch it with Please. your kids or watch it on your own and have your kids watch it on their own in yes. case it's just intolerable to watch it together. Yeah. So that you know, at least that you know that your kids are getting that information yes, yes. in an approachable way, in a relatable way. And it's mm -hmm. funny to like, they, they managed to treat it with such, with, with respect and humor. Mm. Yes. And yeah. it's not, they're not bludgeoning you with it. They're really yeah. saying like, yeah, this is important stuff. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And here are teenagers learning this and learning it from each other. Yeah, which um, is so relatable. Yeah. That's how teenagers learn in many ways yeah. is, and feel supported and validated is from one another. And maybe that's the part too that I don't necessarily see in euphoria. There's a lot in euphoria of um, turmoil in those relationships where in sex education there's um, there's more openness to or willingness mm -hmm. to have those conversations have those tough yeah. uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. um, and to help each other yeah to yeah, really yeah. be there each for other. each other mm -hmm. and I think too the so the lead character for people who haven't watched the show the lead character is Otis and he is the son of a sex therapist and he ends up filling that gap of it of knowledge yes so he's there to show like to help you that so because they're they are helping each other and they're talking to each other but they're getting some information wrong yeah like when that the was it gonorrhea what when are we chlamydia. like chlamydia mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, everyone thought they had chlamydia yeah. and that it and the was the whole school was freaking the, out school, school was freaking out <laughs> And Otis is there, he's the, the character, like his function is there to, to be like, well, actually there's more, there's more stuff here that you don't know, that, that misinformation that's getting shared. Mm -hmm. And he's there because his mom talks to him about all of this stuff very openly. Mm -hmm. And so he's sharing that with mm -hmm. his classmates. And I just, I just think that's such a, it's such a, a, just a delightful way to really highlight that someone needs to be the one with the actual knowledge. Yeah. And who is that going to be? Right. And then he runs a sex clinic on the side. He runs a sex clinic. Where there's this, it's very, it's still very secretive, but it's very, um, I really appreciate how, so they sit in this like abandoned bathroom, bathroom and <laughs> Otis sits in one stall and then the mm -hmm. other person yeah. comes in. And so there's, there's definitely confidentiality that's happening. Yeah. Um, but it's really more around like, and, and, and in addition, she, um, Dr. Milburn also puts out like a sex question mm -hmm. like questions about sex yeah and so it's very um confidential you can you can put your questions in and feel okay about that not feel judged mm -hmm. or or shamed for asking really natural important questions mm -hmm. about sex and about our anatomy and about how things work um so how do teenagers because obviously their parents can't put an anonymous box for the team, right. their kids to they put questions. Could, but I don't know they if they could. They'd... But like, you're going to know who asked the questions. Right. Not very anonymous. So how, like, so I know that talking about sex, comprehensive sex education in schools is a like so loaded politically. Yeah. That I feel like going there almost feels like I don't know what are we going to do. Like it's, it's a battle. Yeah. It's a battle. Mm -hmm. So, but as parents. What can we do to, what do you think we can do as parents to make sure our kids, besides just saying, please watch sex education, please, 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 please. What else can we be doing to make sure to, to, to at least increase the chances that our kids are going to learn about healthy sexuality? Because it's not just girls that need to learn. Yeah. It's boys that right. are, like, they get just as unhealthy a message yeah. around consent, around what they're supposed to want. Yep around how often they're supposed to want it yeah. around you know what does it mean to wait you know if you mm -hmm. all of that stuff like I, I think boys and girls both get these really unhealthy messages mm -hmm. around sexuality and gender and there's a part too if i could add of like in sex education specifically this masculinity and and mm -hmm. femininity they do a beautiful job 
uh, in my opinion, of, of pointing out the masculinity and how normal it is to be a, like the, the friendship between Otis and, and Eric, Eric oh is my a God. beautiful thing. It's yeah. very like it's actually more physical than you think it yeah. would be, but in a very friendship and yeah. like adoration kind of yeah. way. We could do a whole nother yeah. podcast on that part, but I, yeah, like it it incorporates not just the femininity and yeah. like and that piece to it. Um, to answer your question, I think there's and this might sound very therapy or very cheesy, but um, helping our kids own their own narrative when it's when they don't know like what it is like they're trying to figure out their story what they're doing and so that how would they do that what is that what does that look like on the ground my first thought goes to meet it with curiosity um hmm. so you have two boys they're still young they are but if you imagine them becoming teenagers uh -huh. mm -hmm. um how do you see that? Like, what are opportunities that you imagine might come about where you could then help your sons yeah. understand their own narratives yeah. or explore? I want to make sure that they know that I'm a safe person. Mm -hmm. um, and to do that, I think it is about communicating and, and, and following through in that. So letting them know that I am here if you for anything if you ever need to come to me if you murdered someone come to me i want you to be able to come to me and we can talk about that mm -hmm. and we can problem solve that together so having that kind of message can go across the board um my other thought with it is if they do have questions and they don't know who to go to um that they have friendships in there or they have the support that they need mm -hmm. outside of me and, and letting them know that that's okay. In fact, that I want that for them um, because there are going to be things that they don't want to come to me yeah. to talk about. Um, but to know that I, I kind of go back to Dr. Milburn and how she navigates that. And it, it is like she doesn't do it well yeah. in many <laughs> ways. <laughs> There, yeah. Yeah, there are some. But things. she's trying. She's, she's definitely trying. trying. Yeah. And you can see how Otis then takes that mm -hmm. and utilizes that in his own space, in his mm -hmm. own life. Um, and is actually really um gracious in how he does it and really um sorry, grateful in how he how he shows that. And so I think Otis too so his mom talks to him very openly about sex and yes. he can hear her having sex down the hallway with yep. different partners. And so it's kind of in his face, and she's got genitalia and dildos and porn yep. mags in her office. Like so, sex—he's just surrounded by sexuality, yep. and and you can tell that it makes him uncomfortable. That he gets squirmy, and when she's having these conversations with him, he's like, "Mom, you know, whatever." But then you also see how he retains that information, yes, and exactly. I think that's important for parents to know too. Is yeah. teenagers might be like, "Oh, mom, why are you doing that?" Or they're rolling their eyes, or they're like, "Oh, it's so cringy," and they're. They're listening. they're listening. They're listening, and they're retaining it, and they're going to use it. And so I, I do think that's important for parents to remember yeah. that opening up these conversations, and even like you know, in the car, I think it's mm -hmm. the easiest to have yes. those conversations. You're yeah. both you're yep. both looking forward. Looking no one has to make any eye contact. And so to just <laughs> drop a few drop a few things yeah. on a road trip. They have them, you know, they'll be on the side and looking out the window and like, okay, mom, tell uh -huh. me when this is over. But know that they're still hearing it yes 
and they're still absorbing it, yeah. I think like, could be a really important thing for parents to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, and I think for parents, also us being aware of our own roadblocks. Yeah, right. In, so say more about that. Yeah. So like... Um, if we if we're if we're the language we're using is shaming or don't talk about that mm -hmm. or um, that's inappropriate mm -hmm. or you know some of those things kids hear that too teenagers hear that too and so then it's very much again the silent the wall of silence is is kind of put up um, that, that we're not allowed to so Ooh, even, I have a question for you yeah on this Didn't think of this till just now but this comes up in my sessions a lot with with parent clients with moms. And I was just thinking about like how, you know, Otis hears his mom having sex mm -hmm. down the hall. And I get a lot of, so I work with a lot of divorced women who then are starting to date again, mm -hmm. or maybe they repartner. Mm -hmm. And sometimes then like the, the partner will move in after some period of time, or they just start to spend more time at the house. And I get a lot of moms who are like, well, I, we can't have sex when the kids are you know, at the house, because what if they hear me? Mm -hmm. What if they hear us? Mm -hmm. And I even think for married parents, there's this, sure. well, there's definitely for married parents. I think for all adults, we've got this idea that under no circumstances should our children hear us having sex, right. that that's like traumatic. Right. And I'm curious, as I'm thinking about Otis hearing his mom having sex down the hall all the time, that's obviously a little bit on the extreme end. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on that? Like when it comes to our kids understanding healthy sexuality, and us being role models in some way. Yeah. Do, how does that fit Ooh. in? Ooh. Like, do we hide our sexuality from our kids? I mean, I do think most of yeah. us do. Mm -hmm. And should we be hiding that? And right. if not, then what do we share with them? Right. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All the things you get to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. As your kids get older. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think of that? My mind goes to my own experience with my parents growing up of like how very closed door language, narrative, understanding was about that. Like, I mean, well, those TV shows in the 50s, they couldn't even have married couples sleep in right? one bed. They have exactly. to, I think it was, the, I don't think that stopped till, I want to say Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah. It was all controversial because I think that's the one of the first shows that had them sleeping. Yeah in a bed plus they were remarried and so like yeah, ooh, blended, blended family but anyways they were really pushing boundaries they all were. over the place yeah so it was closed door yeah our parents did not talk about themselves no. as sexual beings mine didn't right i didn't guessing yours didn't either no not at all even now you know we i always tease my parents i'm like well you only had sex two times because there's only two of us <laughs> right yes this is me and my sister <laughs> so you only had sex two times please don't tell me about any of the other things right but like <laughs> The, it, and then reflecting on how what that brings up for me is why am I so uncomfortable with that or why does that make me uncomfortable if my parents were to bring that up um, because outside of that relationship I'm very like let's meet it with curiosity yeah. um, I think there's a level of um, boundaries that need to happen in that as well um, and that's the question. When is it boundaries and when is it pretending that we're not sexual? Right. Yeah. And us not, have, not opening a door to conversations. Like, I mean, this is a tough one. I, I did have, a, I did have a, a therapist tell me once, like, it's okay for your kid to know that you're a sexual being. Yeah. That your that parents are also sexual. Yeah. But I think trying to figure out where that line is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, maybe my, my thought goes to age as well, mm -hmm. of like age of development and how we're talking to kids about, like my children are eight and six. And so even just talking about body positivity and like um, knowing our genitals, knowing like, you know, like even like cleanliness mm -hmm. and like those types of things are, um, I want to say normal, but normal is not the right word. Um, that I would hope that that people can kind of focus mm -hmm. on it yeah. as your like you know kind of like body development and that sort of thing, um, where and I think that but that's more educational. I feel like we yeah. can, we can educate. Mm -hmm. But like, what if your kids say, "Well, how old were you when you first had sex?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, what? When did you know you were heterosexual mm -hmm. or bisexual or yeah. whatever? Like, when or how, when did you start to do that stuff? Or you know, like, yeah. how do you? Or how many, like, what if your kids, teenagers say, like, how many people have you had sex with? Like, yeah. how how far do you go with that? How much do you mm -hmm. share with your kids, do you think? I would actually probably say, what a great question. Like, thank you for asking me those things because that's, that's courageous in many ways. Um, like, kids may not understand. Like, that's a brave thing to do. Um, and, and to meet it with honesty. So is, you answer? You think you yeah. answer them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely boundaries that you can put up in that answer. Like you don't have to go into detail. You don't have to, you know, if they mm -hmm. start to ask about detail, you can be like, well, so here's that's the, another I was this age. We did this position. <laughs> right, right. We don't need to go into that. Um, but maybe more around like it's, it was a, it was a, a lovely experience because I was present mm -hmm. and I was with a partner that that respected mm -hmm. me, um, you know, talking more about the relationship or the, the person um, that you experience that with or do you tell them about the bad experiences? Do you tell True. them about bad, like bad choices you made? Right. This is what I've learned from, from this experience. Um, I'm even thinking of safety-wise. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been experiences I've had where I'm like, mm, I probably wasn't in the safest mm -hmm. setting or environment oh, yeah. or whatever. Which is what I want my, I don't want my girls because I, I'm the same. Like I put myself in some really, yep, really questionable situations. Yep. Yep. And then, that, that, of course, that's where I think as parents, our brains go to is like, well, I did that. Oh, yeah. man, I got to let them know, like, this is not OK. Like, yeah. Or this is to, to learn from. So I think there's absolutely room for not going into detail, but more around the lesson you learned from it or how you grew from that or um, even learning about like that masturbation is a it's, it's a really natural part of being a human being. And for many, many, whether it's America, whether it's what religion, whatever, has put up those silent walls um, to let them know, like, we don't have to have those silent walls between us. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to you're going to make mistakes as parents. We do. We just do. And so yeah. there might be an opportunity for you to talk more in detail maybe say too much and you're like nope i'm not going to do yeah. that again um or overshared yeah right because <laughs> then they might just be like oh yeah. i don't want to talk about oh, that oh now mom you've given me something i can't unsee yep. in my head we're all done with that <laughs> yes how how proactive or aggressive do you think parents should get like you hear about sometimes like moms getting their daughter's vibrators for their 16th yeah. birthday uh -huh. you know like how how yeah how aggressive do you think parents should be and like here let's I want I so want you to explore your sexuality that I'm going to gift you this vibrator right. um is that too much or do you think that's are these is this better than maybe not saying anything at all mm. 
I think it based on the relationship too um, between between child and and parent of hmm. could that evoke more conversation mm -hmm. of like I'm giving you this because it's okay. I want you to know that th that I'm a safe person. That this is something that like if you if I did give a vibrator, it would be with context to mm -hmm. it or or an understanding of like this is why I'm giving this to you. It's not just to be like I'm giving this to you and then we're never going to talk about it. Um, there's an opportunity, I think, to, to open that conversation and to say, I'm here to talk about this stuff with you whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. um, and sure, like a teenager is going to be like, oh, what? <laughs> what are you giving me? Or they may be like, okay, that's kind of cool. Or mm -hmm. that's kind of, um, I feel safe mm -hmm. in that space mm -hmm. to do that. And it's, it's also about uh, for me, it would be about reflecting on my own discomfort in that. Like, why yeah. am I feeling uncomfortable in this? Um, or what's coming up for me that's uncomfortable? And do I need to lean into that maybe a little bit more? Or is there a reason that this is, like, is there a boundary there that needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, I definitely find it, to me, this is the hardest area, this is the hardest topic to talk about mm -hmm. with my girls. Mm -hmm. It's, and, I'm, and I'm surprised at that because I'm a psychologist. I feel like I talk about this with my teenage clients all the time. Yes. We talk about sexuality all the time. Yeah. And yet I come home and I'm not Jean Melbourne. I am not. Right. I am not just putting it all out there for right. my girls. <laughs> I be, and, I'm, and I surprise myself with that of like how much I squirm. Yeah. Um, and I've done, I do talk to them about it, but it is, man, it's so hard every time. Yeah. And I imagine some of that is upbringing, just how I was raised. And sure. Sex was not something we talked about. But also, I, I, yeah, there's something that feels vulnerable about it. Yeah. Very, very much so because of the messages we've taken in yeah. and, and been told for many years. I just really appreciate how the show itself has actually shown some of those things of like, how do we talk to our teenagers about this? Um, especially as parents who are not sex educators or who are not um, in this field of work as therapists of how to open those conversations, how to, how to even start a conversation, because many of us don't have the language associated with it. And so then, yeah, then we're just like fumbling around or we just don't do it at all. Yeah. We just don't engage in those conversations. I think a parent could just go to their child and say, I watched sex education. This is what came up. Mm. Um, or how do you feel about your own yeah. sexuality? Or how do you feel about your own body? Um, because there's so much, I think, even in like body positivity and all of those things that play a part in us being able to be open to intimacy. So I want, to, I want to pivot a little bit because what else occurred to me is that what sex education brings up, and, and I, I haven't watched enough of Euphoria to, to know if, it, if they address it or how they address it, is sexual orientation. You know, like Eric's, you get the sense that Eric's parents know he's gay, mm -hmm. but they don't really, they, they talk about it in kind of code. Yes. Yep. And one question then that, that brings up for me is, you know, on the one hand is parents, you know, even parents who are like comfortable with their, their kids sexual, like be whatever, love whomever, even for parents like that, I think there's this, this question of, if you suspect your kids are gay, 
your kid is gay or bisexual or, you know, whatever on the, on the spectrum there, do you bring it up to them or do you wait? And if you like, because the, the, the way I see it is bringing it up to them can feel invasive, mm. like you're getting there before they're ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I worry that not acknowledging it mm. is sending a message of like, I don't want to know. Mm. Yeah. I think in my, in my experience working with adolescents, I don't have adolescents yet, but working with them, they're like, they're good at dropping mm -hmm. these little things. And if we as parents or as like adults don't pick it up, it's gone mm -hmm. in, in some ways. And so they're going to bring it up. It's just us being able as parents maybe to like hook into that or like, like see what, hear what they're trying to say mm. in some of those things. Um, and maybe that's what I mean where then how are we reflecting on our own discomfort in that and, and um, our own messages of, do I want to open this up or have this conversation? Mm. I even think back to like my eight year old, um, this was a couple weeks ago, came to me and said, someone at school, one of his classmates, just came up to him and said, you're gay. And that was an opportunity. I could have gone a couple wow. of way, different ways about that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, who is that? Like, mm -hmm. what, you know, those kids, that's <laughs> like, right, protective, mama bear, yeah. <laughs> but I actually met it with, what does that, what does gay mean? Do you know mm -hmm. what that means? And it was, we did, we were able to have a conversation about mm -hmm. more of the relational pieces, not the sexual piece, but more of the relational pieces of being homosexual, what that mm -hmm. means. Um, and so even at eight years old, he has a different understanding than I sure did at eight years mm -hmm. old. And I really appreciate, I'm grateful for those opportunities. Um, but I think, so maybe it's getting, it's talking to them about it before they know what yeah, their sexual orientation right. is. Yeah. Like laying, like Having planting those, those seeds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That this, these are, there are different paths that you might take. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And, and that's I still okay, love you. And I'm still here you. for you. And yeah. this, this is a safe space for you to, yeah. to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, th there it is. It's just, if we can lay the groundwork early and that might even apply to sexuality. Yeah, for sure. Like not talking about, you know, not talking to our eight year olds about sex, but, but starting to have conversations about not just, oh, someday you're going to get married or, oh, is yep. that your boyfriend? But even just talking about, I don't know, bot, like being confident in your body Absolutely. And as your body develops and what does that mean? Yep. And what does it mean to have a boyfriend? And yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. that's where as parents we could be doing a better job mm -hmm. is just finding opportunities, developmentally appropriate opportunities yeah. to talk to our kids about what it means to be a human. Yeah and all the different messiness and yeah. beautiful parts and exploration and curiosity that goes with that. Yeah, I mean, it's about relationships, really. Yeah. Like the overarching umbrella to sex is relationship. You are, yeah. this is relational and um, in many ways, relational with yourself, relational with someone else. And there's an, an intimacy there that I think that's the other part that maybe mm -hmm. is like blocked by this silent walls of like, that that's not okay and it's that's what it's about it's about how we are connecting yeah. with ourselves and someone else and normalizing that part right. being able to say no that's okay that's like okay. that's part yeah. of being a human being mm -hmm. rather than it being 
you're not supposed to put that there or that, you know, like those types of things. Yeah. And I think, so the last thing I just want to drop in, and I, because I'm, as I'm thinking through this, is I'm trying to come up with like the messages as teachers, as parents, as family members. I think one thing Euphoria does a, just a real brutal job of showing is that the protective factor for kids is their parents and, their, and the adults in their lives. Yeah. And when the parents fail mm. them, the kids flounder yeah. and like spiral down. That yeah. really, the difference, I think the, the main difference is I'm thinking, obviously there's some, there's some questionable parents. Maeve, Maeve's mom is really, you know, not a, not a shining, but Maeve also struggles with yep. a lot of that stuff. Yep. So what euphoria really hits home is like, these kids needed their parents at very critical moments and their parents either weren't there or they responded in the exact wrong way. Ooh, or modeled. Modeled. <laughs> The really scary, really <laughs> scary, really dysfunctional, pathological, yes. and also illegal Correct. ways of dealing with sexuality. Uh -huh. um, but I do think I want—I really want parents to understand from both of these shows that that maybe our teenagers aren't listening to us and they don't need us in the same way. But man, they still need us. Oh yeah, and they need us to be present and they need us to be there to catch them mm -hmm. when they're struggling and to and to be modeling some of this mm -hmm. and be, maybe being more open with it and, and accepting our kids for, for who they are. And, be, and also as parents being curious, yeah. who is my kid? Who are they becoming? Yeah. How can I support and develop that person that yeah. they're becoming rather than judging it or being afraid of it? Yeah. Like, who are you interested in? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. Who are your friends? Mm -hmm. Who's important to you? What's important to What's you? What's important to you, yeah. You know, those are all things that... Um, Oh, like kids just want, that's what we need. Yeah. We just want our parents to ask us about us. Even if we roll our, even if the teenager totally. rolls their eyes and goes, fine, school is fine. I still think that they want us asking. They do. They I, do. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, for, the, for the audience out there, I really, I can't encourage, and hopefully you're, you're getting that from the two of us, watch Sex Education. Watch it. Watch the show. Watch, have your kids watch it. Starting, what, what age would you recommend? 15 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like, feel like that like 12 to 14 year old stage is like for adolescents, there's that, um, ooh, there's a lot of brain development happening. There's a lot, yeah. And the, I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you find that your kids are watching Euphoria, um, get in there. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yep. That's not a, a lot of teenagers are watching it. They probably shouldn't be watching it unsupervised or without conversations without about conversations what's in there. Too. So, yeah. sex education, I feel like most 15, 16, 17 year olds can watch it. On yes. their own, yeah. Euphoria. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think there's more relatability in sex education yeah. um, for teenagers right now. There may be the re the again that kind of reality based like maybe and maybe that's what scares parents is like is this really happening? Yeah. Like oh man, we're um, sure there is some of that happening in Euphoria, like the darker stuff. Yeah. But in sex education, it's it's really more. I feel like teenagers just re could relate yeah. to that much more. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I always like to ask everybody what, first of all, thank you so much for, I, thank you. I, I love feel like maybe we should this. do another, Yes. Um, we'll find other opportunities to yes. talk about this stuff. Um, but I like to ask everybody what TV show they're watching that they're excited about from the point of view of a therapist or that they think has really good content mm. um, for therapists to be watching and talking about with, with people. Oh, what a great question. And it might be you are the mother of two young boys. It might be that like you're just not I able a lot to find of, that kind of time. A lot of weird YouTube <laughs> videos about like how to complete Rubik's cubes. 
So I don't really know. Sounds very therapeutic. Really therapeutic. It is. It's a coping skill. Sure. Um, I've actually just been watching more sex education since, oh, yeah. we've, been, yeah. since we've been talking about it more. Um, I have been watching Shrinking. Yeah. Um, so I really, um, I think we talked about how like once you get past episode like five, it really does kind of open up more. Um, more stuff. More stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. All right, great. Well, thank you again thank so you. much. Thank you. This episode of When Therapists Watch TV was produced by Ellie Mental Health. Miranda Barker is the managing producer. Jesse Stenbroughton is the technical director. Our production team also includes Julia Galloway, Lucas Mooney, and Tu Pham. A special thanks to Lucas Fellini, Nick Seeger, and Mel Springer. I'm Dr. Terry Bly. Thanks for listening.